Good morning, car collectors around the... Is it morning? Good morning, car collectors around... Josh Luber can write a 58-page document. I can't even get an intro right. Good morning, everyone, car collectors around the world. I got a, a document yesterday evening in my DMs. I thought... Wow, this is incredible. This is the Fanatics Manifesto. It's been sent personally to my account. I anticipated that I would do some sort of um, deep dive into it, give some feedback, and then <laughs> and then uh, Josh was just like, that's for everyone. So I felt, you know, I felt shit for a few minutes. I felt like, I wasn't important, I was being used. But then I got over it and I was like, wow, I really look forward to reading that tomorrow. And then I guess having my take on it, um, which is so important. Oh, where's my water? My fucking water's gone. Um, listen, I'm going to go through some of my takeaways from this document and some of the things that I think are really important. Um, and I want to start by saying that... Uh, Hi, Pro Specs Cards. Thank you for joining. I want to start by saying that this is, without a doubt, the perfect follow-up to my 2014 penned report, which was, of course, many of you have read it, uh, entitled Trading Cards. Please buy them. And I think if you haven't read that, read that first, um, and then this one. Uh, what I'm going to talk about contains spoilers, okay? So a big spoiler alert. And I want to, I want to say that because the reality is you have to read this. This is fantastic. It's, it's like everything that's been going around. It's all the conversations that everyone's had just with kind of like, facts behind them and he's just drilled into those facts and clearly he's an accomplished writer um, comes from a long line of uh, lawyers or Jewish lawyers as he points out and uh, and you can see that that level of introspection retrospection that's about as big as my words get listen uh, the first spoiler is that uh, Josh is an olfactophiliac who loves Rick Probstein. So, and I think that could easily be the title of this document. <clears throat> Why should we listen to the guy who told us that trading cards were long dead in 2015? That's where I want to start. Why? He stood on stage um, at a TED talk and he says cards are gone. The reason that we should is that that is the perspective of someone who has looked at the facts both at the time in 2015 and looked at the facts now and he has changed his perspective. He's changed it because of facts or certainly the way that he interprets facts. And I think that that is in and of itself at least one of the less biased opinions that's out there. I can say trading cards are great. I think they're going to be fantastic, but I'm horrendously biased and... And, you know, I, I see that. So 
I think that that puts him in a good position to, to put together a document like this. It's a 58-page document, so it's long. I don't read fast. Um, I did think about potentially creating an audiobook of it um, just to get some <laughs> to get some subs up, but I thought that would be a bit of a poor move given that he sits alongside Ken Golden as um, some of the gods of this hobby. It's not a manifesto. He, he, he clarifies that this is not the fanatic's way. Um, I don't think that uh, you're going to be able to like use this document as I told you so, and that's why fanatics are doing this. I don't think that's going to happen. So, uh, but uh, it's not a manifesto, but it is the most succinct explanation for what's happened, what's happening, why we are where we are today, and why I am cool again. My key takeaways of this included how the 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 way that Nike have dealt with both supply and also um, limited supply is potentially where the key lies to solving the trading card puzzle. Uh, he goes through the, the reasons that manufacturers um, have to address in terms of undermining uh, the investment value of cards uh, with supply, including whether they print more, um, whether they increase the set numbers, uh, and if they would emit more chase cards. And he, he really drills that down into the, the way that Nike and Adidas addressed limited supply releases. And one of the examples is the NMD that Adidas released and, and how that was both the peak and the trough of uh, limited release shoes in the sneaker market. Um, he goes, one of the really cool things that he talks about is how companies can't move as fast as people and people can't move as fast. This guy just walking past looks like Gary Vee. That's kind of cool. Um, it isn't, but it looks like him. Sorry, I digress. How companies can't move as fast as people and how people can't move as fast as prices. Well, at least not yet. Uh, and he talks about how that threesome of companies, people, and prices is a key indicator as to where we are now. Goes through different markets, including the stock market um, in the 90s, uh, in the 80s, sorry, and, and then other ones throughout the 90s, and how when that companies, uh, the ability of companies to move as fast as people and potentially prices uh, through technology, uh, through investment, etc. when you get to that point, um, that is better indicator of where you are in the picture. So all those things uh, together at different stages probably mean we're somewhere near the middle. Sales have actually gone up 30% during the dip. So eBay reported like 800 and something million dollars worth of sales in Q1, which is of course the peak, the absolute golden age of trading cards that month that it was and then since then this huge dip that's almost like watching Zion Williamson go down a kid's slide and just that pressure um, that dip uh, has actually been during an increase in sales a 30% increase which got the eBay sales for the quarter up over a billion dollars for the first time that's really cool 
Crypto is actually cards and the metaverse happened 2,000 years ago. You just didn't know it. I'll give you all a second just to take that in because I understand that it's quite a bit. Probably should have said it slower, like Elon Musk. Like, and the metaverse happened. So um, I made that last bit up, but the connection between crypto and cards is very much ingrained in this document. And it goes through how the investors in both, particularly the younger investors in both, um, kind of are one and the same and how they may lead and follow each other. The connection to Bitcoin, the charts are unreal. Uh, the charts, the, the detail and the facts that accompany this information is really, really good. In 1990, Beckett subscriptions were over a million. And to put that into perspective, the Washington Post subscriptions now are only 400,000. So Beckett, in like 1990, was hitting over a million subs. And whilst that is like a, just a mediocre person on TikTok now, like back then, that would have been huge. Um, and back then, the amount of people identifying as collectors are massive. At the same time in those early 90s, the trading card companies produced over 80 billion cards. That, like, that number turned me on. I was, I was legitimately turned on for the next five minutes. The thought of the amount of cards that you could sell on, a, on, on an e-commerce platform now, that is just mind-boggling. That's the stuff that dreams are made of. More than 300 cards per every person in the United States of America. Wow. One of the really interesting parts of it is where he does a deep dive. He goes into it, I think he called like the Mark something, it's like the Marky Mark theory. And it is, he basically uses uh, a hypothetical leaked text message conversation between Mark Wahlberg and Mark Cuban, hypothetical. Um, it is, yeah. And it basically shows how the high of the $700,000 Michael Jordan card follows through, carries it all the way through to like the absolute, like last possible person trying to list their car, their Michael Jordan rookie and get the same price for it. Breaks it down. I won't go through it all because it's quite interesting um, and comp it's, not, it's not complex, it's, it's quite simple, but I think you'll all get a lot out of it. So make sure you read that section. If nothing else, just uh, search for, if you're, like, if you're not going to read 58 pages, just search for Mark Wahlberg um, on, in the document, not on Google, because if you search for it on Google, you just get like heaps of cool flicks. But search for it in the document, in the document, you'll get to the Marky Mark leaked text message, which is really cool. And uh, I think gives a lot of perspective for people who, you get so much of this bullshit pump and dump crap that people go on about. And the reality is that whilst that does happen and can happen, the, the concept that it drove 
that it would drive that particular instance um, or some other. It just defies reason. And this is shows you the more uh, authentic and realistic uh, version of events. I wonder if he did. I wonder if Mark Cuban actually did contact Marky Mark. That'd be a cool conversation. That'd be really cool. I'd, I'd be happy to listen to any Marky Mark um, tapped phone call. Marky Mark talking to Vin Diesel about you know, getting together in a Fast and the Furious flick or something. Um, the last sort of key takeaway was the free money. And this was the impact that PSA closing down had. And he goes through a like a prism horror story whereby you get the you get the, uh, the breaking down a case of 2018 prism, shipping it all off to PSA, getting it turned around and graded at a really affordable price, getting it back and then selling it. And that market, sort of that cyclical movement of money in the market and how important that is. And that's something that resonates. We certainly see it on a much smaller scale in our very sort of closed Australian ecosystem. Um, and I think that that is a really cool take that I hadn't heard in that kind of detail so much before. Um, so he talks about how that, and not in and of itself, but uh, as, a, as a, one of the key three drivers to that dip that we've seen since Q1. Um, some of the really interesting things that he said, I, I think these are more on a personal level, and uh, you know, it would have been awesome actually to get Josh on, you know, maybe to chat to Charlie about this, but the reality is it would have cost too much. So me just paraphrasing it is, um, is better. Um, he says that cards, this is the StockX guy, for those of you who don't know Josh's background, he's the guy who, who created, he founded StockX, which is all about sneakers. So if you don't know that, it's all about sneakers. He says cards are better than sneakers. There's a hot take. And I'll quote him here saying, you, you can't actually reach that scale with sneakers because they aren't true investable assets. No matter how valuable a pair is, no matter how well you keep it, it's still just rubber and leather and glue and will eventually deteriorate. But trading cards, trading cards are true investable assets. Trading cards are more are a more perfect product for StockX. Sorry, <laughs> I butchered the last bit. I'm so sorry, Josh. Trading cards are a more perfect product for the StockX vision than sneakers ever were. It just took me a few extra years to realize it. That's, that's sexy. I'm going to quote him again here, and this is in closing. So please, if you have every intent on reading the document yourself, and once again, I implore you to. He says, in short... Both cards and card business businesses will become more valuable. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Sorry, hang on. Let me just compose myself. He says, in short, both cards and card businesses will become more valuable. 
And just like we thought decades ago, card collecting is here to stay. Not just stay, but prosper. That's brilliant. Um, he goes on, the factors in the dip are real, but they don't point towards a greater market crisis. In fact, they support the opposite. 